0: As anyone who's looked at an Ontario budget will be aware, provincial expenses top line are healthcare, education, children, community, and social services. That's approximately 72% of total expenses are in those three line items, so it just makes sense to introduce social bond categories
1: with this framework. Green bonds are one of the tools that we can use in essentially promoting the kind of economic development in the province that is taking advantage of the vast comparative advantage that we have around a clean electricity grid.
2: Welcome to Sustainability Leaders. I'm Michael Torrance, Chief Sustainability Officer at BMO. On this show, we will talk with leading sustainability practitioners from the corporate investor academic and ngo communities to explore how this rapidly evolving field of sustainability is impacting global investment business practices and our world
0: the views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of bank of montreal its affiliates or subsidiaries
2: i'm jonathan hackett managing director and head of sustainable finance at bima Today, I'm proud to introduce our episode with Magalie Gable, Director of Sustainable Finance at BMO, who recently hosted senior leaders from the Ontario Financing Authority and Ministry of the Environment, Conservation and Parks, to discuss the province of Ontario's new sustainable bond framework. Let's take a listen.
3: The province of Ontario has just released its new sustainable bond framework, building upon its existing green bond framework for 2014. The new framework connects buyers of these Ontario bonds more directly to projects and programs way in the province, while also providing them with a view of the projected environmental and social impact. So the new frameworks aligned with the four components of the Green Bond Principles Social Bond Sustainability Guidelines from the International Capital Market Association, providing investors with confidence in the rigor in which Ontario administers programs. Under the new sustainable framework, Ontario can now issue green, social, and sustainability bonds. So, to discuss this framework, I'm really excited to have uh, Elizabeth Wallace, Senior Manager, Funding Ontario Financing Authority, and Alex Wood, Assistant Deputy Minister, Climate Change, Ontario Ministry of the Environment, Conservation, and Parks. And I'm really excited to talk about the internal process leading into this new guiding document. I'm Magali Gable, as you know, I guess now you know me, Director in the Sustainable Finance Team at BMO. Thank you for joining me. So now, uh, Elizabeth, Ontario has now, uh, framework has now 15 different categories, 10 green, some of them brand new, and five social. To set the broader context, can you expand on some of the key changes and the rationale for those changes?
0: Absolutely, thanks for the question. Uh, One of the more noticeable changes to the framework is the better alignment of framework categories with the green bond principles through standardized wording. This renaming exercise of green bond projects categories aligns with current market nomenclature as category names have more granularity and consistency than when we did our first framework in 2014. As you noted, this has resulted in an increased number of eligible green bond categories from five to ten. So the second major change is the addition of five social bond categories. The expansion of the framework to include social project categories was done because the framework was already being updated. So it seemed a good time to make this change. Governments, by their nature, spend a large percentage of their budgets on social projects and programming. Investor interest in social bonds has been increasing and including it here and now allows the province to seamlessly add social bond issuance in the future subject to investor demand and issuer willingness. So with these 15 categories, Ontario's new sustainable bond framework supports a total of 11 of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, so four more than our previous framework.
3: This provides and in for quite an expanding opportunity to highlight the different environmental and social impact of the province, so quite excited. So Alex, noting the expanding green category, notably in pollution prevention and control, perhaps can you elaborate on your process within the province and your ministry and how this process informs this change and perhaps advising also uh, on the input from your own ministry?
1: Sure. Um, and Thanks for the question, Margetti. So the partnership between my ministry, the Ministry of Environment, Conservation and Parks, quite a mouthful, and the OFA on green bonds goes back to the creation of the first framework. So delighted to be asked by the OFA to helping the elaboration of the new framework. And our role is largely as subject matter experts around uh, a set of environmental issues, obviously, climate change being the one that I'm particularly focused on, but a a broader range of issues there as well. So advising in the development of that framework, helping in the intent, I think, to both get more specific around the environmental categories that are going to be covered by the bonds, but also broadening perhaps the set of uh, or the types of projects that would be covered by by the the bond itself so delighted to, to play that role very uh, like I said a strong partnership long-lasting partnership with Elizabeth and her team on on, on those issues
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that that's good to hear that you know a bit more larger rich than than what was initially in so so far uh, from from your disclosure online we understand there's a total of 28 projects that have received or will receive funding from their Ontario's green bonds with funding primarily uh, allocated toward clean transportation. So as you mentioned, um would be curious to hear how the province is thinking about decarbonization uh, through you know, the whole supply chain and, mm. and maybe highlighting some of the key areas where the province is uh, thinking to be proactive to support decarbonization.
1: Sure, so a couple of things there. Um... I think one thing too that has certainly been noticeable within government is the degree to which concerns about climate change and decarbonization and the opportunity that that may present is something that is starting to be felt across different ministries. So what was used to be a fairly central mm-hmm. preoccupation of my ministry, for example, is now a more decentralized set of uh, mandates across a range of ministries. Our energy ministry, or transportation ministry, our economic development ministry. So those ministries now, I think, taking note of the opportunity that electrification in particular plays in the province of Ontario, given the comparative advantage that we have with the clean power grid that we have. And so our role is in helping shape and coordinate the activities and the kinds of projects that that lots of different ministries are now going forward with. So you ask about the types of activities around decarbonization, our colleagues at the tra- transportation ministry investing in in EV charging infrastructure across the province, our colleagues at the ministry of energy looking at how to uh, promote the use of heat pumps in, in residential buildings, but also more largely at how to keep the grid clean, knowing that uh, demand for electricity is going to grow in the province. And then, On the industrial side, our colleagues at Economic Development, working hand in hand with a lot of industrial stakeholders as they think about how to electrify their processes. And that has real benefits for the province in terms of the reductions of emissions. We are on track to meet uh, the emission targets that we have set for ourselves uh, of a 30% uh, reduction in emissions by 2030. And like I said, that's been the result of an all of government undertaking.
3: Mm-hmm. That exciting that we're on track for you know meeting yes. the province target and also quite interesting to think about how the different parts of the government integrate climate change and resilience into how they're thinking about investment yeah. going forward.
1: Yes, well I resiliency is is the other side of the coin, obviously. And I think the the question of how how to, especially on the infrastructure side, public infrastructure, public investment in infrastructure, how that tries to, to, to plan for what are expected climate impacts, because we know mm-hmm. there are climate changes in a sense already baked into the system. And so we've undertaken a climate change impact assessment for the province to try to help our ministry colleagues, to help other stakeholders in society understand what can be expected in terms of climate impacts in Ontario, so that those investments uh, can be made with due regard for the resilience and, and adaptation to climate impacts. So...
3: Yeah, I'm sure investors would be very keen to understand that when they invest into Green Bond, this is this integrated approach that is behind selection of projects uh, uh, toward achieving the province goal. Now, Elizabeth, switching to uh, the five new social categories, uh, what should we know about this expanded part of the framework?
0: Well, as anyone who's uh, looked at an Ontario budget will be aware, uh, provincial expenses uh top line are healthcare, education, children, community, and social services. That's 70, approximately 72% of total expenses are in those three uh, line items. So it just makes sense to introduce social bond categories with this framework and so that some of the projects and programming that are happening around the province um, assisting in those areas and a few others uh, can be captured and and uh, perhaps uh, get investors involved in, in those in in those bonds in that way
3: Mm -hmm. and and we've heard you know multiple times for investors that they want to be investing in social bonds there haven't been enough issuance out there and uh social bonds have you know kept increasing last year by one percent so it would be a great opportunity for them you know to fill up that demand uh as now you can you can issue social and sustainability bonds are there any other change that we should look at in the framework
0: um There's a few smaller changes beyond the broadening of the six green bond categories and the addition of the social categories. Some of those include, uh, we no longer have explicit exclusions in the framework. Uh, We've done away with those. Uh, What we realized as we were going through the process is that because we uh, name our projects up front, we no longer, by definition, you know which projects the money, the funding will be flowing towards. So... Exclusion was an extra layer of um, information that was really not required. Investors will know where the money is going mm-hmm. uh, and so we took away the exclusion part of the framework. We have also uh, replaced what was our green bond advisory panel with something called a sustainable bond advisory panel. So a small name change to reflect the new framework, but we've also added a member of the OFA's uh, board of directors to the advisory panel group, which includes people from Alex's office as well. And uh, we have put a bit of an illustrative matrix at the back of our framework, which gives you a sense of what the metrics are that we'll be measuring in the different categories, both greed and social. So you'll have an understanding of what you can expect in the annual impact report that will follow bond issuance. So we think that provides a fair amount of clarity and transparency to investors to help them understand sort of where we're going with the program at any given time. And then finally, uh, we did change our second party opinion providers. So this particular framework has a second party opinion provided by Sustainalytics. So those are some of the smaller changes uh, that relate to the new framework.
3: Mm-hmm. And and I love that you mentioned that you will have a metrics about impact, because I think a lot of that discussion around green bond have moved to impact and like actually measuring environmental benefits. So I'm sure it would facilitate a lot of investors uh, a choice and also back-end reporting in their own impact report, which I understand is quite complicated on an annual basis. So now Canadian investors are quite familiar with Ontario's existing green bond program. You're the largest and most frequent issuers of Canadian dollar green bond. We've completed 14 issues totaling 16.5 billion. Perhaps, you know, to facilitate the review for investors, can you can you highlight the parameters that are uh, will be carried from the old framework into the new framework? Absolutely.
0: So there were some aspects of the original framework that investors gave us very positive feedback around, and so we've uh, chosen to maintain those and move them into the new framework pretty much unchanged. One of those is uh, that the funding window we use when we're looking uh, for projects, we're going to continue with our 18-month funding window, meaning that the projects that we're looking at uh, can have will look have a six-month look-back period plus a 12-month forward period uh, for when the funding or the disbursement of funds needs to occur. Uh, we're, we've always heard from investors that once they've passed the money through to us, they would like to see it dispersed Um, as as quickly as possible, not to have us sit on it for a few years. And so we've continued that approach going forward, although we understand that, uh, you know, we would have more flexibility in that. We've chosen not to take it in this instance. The other thing that we have moved forward with is that, uh, as I mentioned previously, we will be continuing to identify the projects that the proceeds of any bond issuance are going towards upfront before the bond is issued Mm -hmm. and so investors will have certainty as to which particular projects the funding from that bond will be flowing towards. Uh, We feel this has become really important as we have added nuclear to this new framework and so uh, for signaling purposes it will be extremely important that investors understand that nuance because they will know before they buy the bond. If there is an intent for proceeds from that bond to be directed towards some kind of nuclear project, that will be known uh, before the bond is issued. So again, sort of uh, linking together that telling uh, investors what what we're, what our intentions are, being fully transparent prior to issuance, we feel gives everyone as much information as they need to make a, a good decision, a decision they can feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And then finally, something else that we're going to continue along with is we've always had an annual audit done by the Office of the Auditor General of Ontario that will stay in place and continue with this new framework. And uh, the other part will be the annual impact report, which we are supposed to do anyway. And of course, we will. So we'll continue. It'll just be uh, under the new uh, sustainable bond framework. So a few more project categories could be reported on that kind of thing. Mm
3: -hmm, mm -hmm and completely agree with you transparency is key we've heard repeatedly from investors that when they see those 25 categories in the framework and they have no visibility it's somewhat of a a frustration so there's definitely a preference and a desire to have visibility and also i would think about as generally like investors are supportive of the label bond market they also have a fiduciary duty so how you know they need to be transparent to their own clients on what they are uh, on holding in their portfolio what they are investing so this is you know quite a, a you know a good thing that you uh, announce upfront what you're going to be investing and allocating towards so i'm sure you know it's quite uh, it's quite a leading practice as we see it maybe staying with you elizabeth then uh, the new framework in the SPO includes thresholds in certain categories you know like LXL you know value your your input uh, on that as well like how the different ministries and government agencies contributed to those and how we would think about those eligibility criteria being added compared to what was already done uh, for the past green bonds.
0: yeah there, there was a great deal of collaboration on this framework across uh, the Ontario government going beyond the Ministry of Finance the Ontario Financing Authority and the Ministry of Environment Conservation and Parks so many involved parties <laughs> It was a bit of a coordination exercise um, to get everyone's information pulled together. But uh, you can see the impact of this group effort when reviewing the second-party opinion and the level of detail found there, including the thresholds that are included in categories such as clean transportation, green buildings, energy efficiency, clean energy, et cetera. Um, I, I I would note that you know, our, our our last framework lasted almost 10 years. I don't know that this one's going to last untouched uh for quite so long, but we felt it's really important when we're going through this exercise to uh do take the same kind have the same mindset that we had the first time through, which was build something that is uh good for now, but also um looking into the future about mm-hmm. how the market is developing, how investor preference is developing, and make sure uh if we can that we try and build in um, I'm going to use Alex's words, some resiliency actually for the framework itself so that it can move along with the times and not have to be updated every, you know, every time there's a little bit of a nuance in the market that needs to be captured. Mm-hmm. So we were very cognizant of trying to expand the framework, update the framework and look to the future of what investors would look for in the framework and make sure that we had built in some flexibility or built in some extra transparency to try and take us Along the along the road with this framework, so that uh, we can use it in good faith for for at least a little while before we have to open it back up and change it. Market best practice has really evolved from the 2014 timeframe to now, and certainly investors are very vocal in what they need mm-hmm. and what they want. And we are doing our best to try and meet them uh, where we can and when we can. Mm-hmm. And providing uh, these thresholds was one of the things that seemed extremely important to investors. And uh, again, lots of transparency for them to see when we say a project is clean, how are we defining that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And that's a, a message that kind of comes all the way through this framework and the second party opinion and the work that was done on our behalf and by uh, Alex's ministry was to make sure that we had. Everyone's sort of understanding what we were putting in front of investors, buying into it, making sure it reflected what was going on within their ministry.
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's super interesting. So, Alex, how, you know, can, can you expand on what Elizabeth was saying into the work that went into the thresholds and the rigor that, you know, is quite appreciated because that's leading practices that everyone then follow, uh, follows. So, would be curious into, yeah, the different components.
1: Yeah, so I think, as, as Elizabeth was saying, a lot of dialogue back and forth between the, the OFA team and our teams on on just just how to think about those mm-hmm. thresholds, how to, how, to, how, to, how to do so in a way that obviously reflected what was evolving by bre- breast practices have been, but also how government itself thinks about these kinds of thresholds. Because one point I think that, that might be uh, helpful to investors is to understand in in a lot of ways, the greater specificity around things like the thresholds actually helps an internal conversation as Mm -hmm. well. When Elizabeth and her team are going ministry to ministry, asking for project types that might be funded around this kind of stuff, having that specificity attached to it, I think, facilitates that internal conversations and and allows us, and it also sets a bit of a a bar for us. So Mm -hmm. there's an internal transparency around this kind of stuff, which is helpful too. We now know what project types are going to be uh, eligible, essentially, for green green bond funding, in a way that might have been a little vaguer before, and that, as I said, facilitates the internal conversation, brings forward probably better projects for uh, for investors to to invest in, essentially. So. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I think bonding at what you both say, like thinking about design of. Projects that haven't been, you know, completed yet, or, or, you know, if there's still opportunity to amend certain parts of a project, those thresholds help with thinking for the future uh, uh, across the different minister and building that resilience that you that you mentioned. So, staying on the topic of eligibility, but on the social side, we've regularly heard because we have to talk about challenges now, obviously, but we've regularly heard from sovereign sub sovereign agencies. The challenge to describe a flexible yet clearly defined target population or uh, so, uh, you know, in your framework, it, it's mentioned as underprivileged or disadvantaged target population. And this is one of the requirements for the framework and one that SPO uh, um, ask for. So because we know for the province and for sovereign in general, it's highly contextual, especially for provinces as vast as diverse as Ontario, I actually had to look up the the square uh, uh footage of the province when i was uh, you know uh, looking the framework but like how yeah how do you approach that and how do you address this challenge in the framework uh,
0: as, as you mentioned um the second party opinion providers would really like to nail down your use of terms such as this and they're completely correct at taking that approach but it's extremely difficult from the government side to give a very specific definition of something like underprivileged, underserved, disadvantaged, because it is so contextual. And so we've chosen not to define these uh, in our framework. Again, I'm going to go back to the fact that we do tell investors of our projects ahead of any bond issuance. And so we've taken the route that as part of that, we would also, if we were doing something in the social bond, one of the social bond categories, we would in, at, take that opportunity to describe the targeted population for a particular project or program. And by doing that, we don't box ourselves into what looks like an underprivileged group in 2024 versus some, you know, going forward in time, what that could look like. It's a very dynamic thing. Right. And it also just gives us that ability to seek out the very best projects within the province and and put them into our uh, bond issuance uh, portfolio, and without having limits already imposed, so we can have those conversations, ask what the work what the work is targeting, what the outcomes that they're you know hoping to achieve are, and try and see if there's something within our framework that matches off to that project mm-hmm. without getting stuck on is is this how we described underprivileged or underserved two years ago when we put together the framework. So just trying to be very transparent, but also be able to be fluid with the way the market is, is, is moving and also how populations and things happening within populations are moving. As you said, Ontario is a very diverse place. And uh, so it's important for us to maintain some flexibility, but we're not doing it as a way of being, uh, opaque or vague. We're doing it as, as a way of, of being able to bring you the best projects within the province and, and hopefully have your have investors um, see them the same way and, and put their money forward.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's interesting that, you know, both on the green, as Alex said, and on the social side, this framework is also acting as, as a catalyst and in foster internal conversation and how the province might think about investment, like what type of investment they want investors to participate. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, quite a uh, Comes out really a, quite a collaborative effort, which is, which is exciting. And I'm sure when people would read, you know, the framework and the SPO, this is really, uh, uh what, uh, what they can see. So now that we've talked about all of that, like I'm sure everyone will want to know, you know, now the framework is out. What, what's next? What's, what's your plan looking ahead?
0: Well, it's always subject to market conditions, but the current plan is to issue a new line of green bonds sometime between now. And uh, the end of our fiscal year, which is March 31st, we'll we'll see. We'll hope that markets are cooperative and uh, that we're able to find uh, projects around the province that make for a good portfolio to show investors and get their buy-in. So it will be a green bond right off the top and it will be a new line. Going forward, I mean, we've always been committed and we remain so uh, to making sure that we follow best practice in the market. Mm-hmm. So you can depend on us to do that. And I would just say in terms of in particular uh, the project type of the actual physical projects that we have, the infrastructure projects that we look at when we're looking uh for projects for green bonds, Ontario currently has in the next 10 years $185 billion worth of infrastructure projects sort of slated. So we feel like the program has, you know, plenty of support there. Um and uh we expect it to continue. Into the future. As a result, we've got lots of lots of good things happening in the province that we'll be excited to share with investors. A
3: lot, lot of options. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, a lot of options.
3: <laughs> Alex, what's the what's you know what's the plan looking forward for the ministry?
1: Right. Well, I mean, the the interesting thing for us, obviously, we have a the perspective we have on green bonds is that they are a tool that the government can mm-hmm. deploy. These are financing tool. In the context of a larger strategy, a larger approach that obviously were, as I was describing earlier, were a small part of, given how many different parts of government are now, I think, aligned with a perspective which is a long-term transition for the economy of Ontario towards low-carbon, more sustainable forms of production on the industrial side, for example. So we're, we're part of that conversation. The green bonds are one of the tools that we can use in essentially... Promoting the kind of economic development in the province that that is uh, taking advantage of the vast comparative advantage that we have around a clean electricity grid. That's that's the where all of this kind of comes together for us, and and so it's exciting to be working with Elizabeth and her team on on just how to use green bonds for the that type of big picture outcome.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's
1: the nexus. That's yeah. the nexus exactly.
3: Mm-hmm. I, exactly, and I think this is how investors also appreciate is that you know, kind of integrated approach where the green bond is, a, is an instrument within the toolkit and uh, and that fits within the broader, you know, approach to decarbonization and the different investments that the province is deploying. So quite, quite exciting. So maybe I want to come back to two points, two key points that I've heard that uh, were quite important. So this expanded breadth of investment category in the updated framework, which reflects that collaborative approach that uh, both of you mentioned across different ministries, including on key investment needed to drive decarbonization, which we all you know hope to to drive toward, and two that continued adherence to leading market practice for label bonds uh, with that enhanced transparency and visibility to investors on environmental and social impact as now. We hope to move from from that impact lens uh, to make sure that, as you say, we select the right project and with you know within the context of the right strategy. So we'll stay tuned for the 15th uh, issuance uh, from Ontario, and and I'll encourage everyone uh, that are looking for more information uh, on your new framework to visit your Sustainable Bond tab on the Ontario Financing Authority website. So thank you, Elizabeth and Alex uh for joining me today to discuss the new sustainable bond framework
0: thank you for the thank opportunity yeah. Yeah. Great.
2: thanks for listening to sustainability leaders this podcast is presented by bemo you can find our show on apple podcasts spotify or your favorite podcast player press the follow button if you want to get notified when new episodes are published We value your input, so please leave a rating, review, and any feedback that you might have, or visit us at bmo.com forward slash sustainability leaders. Our show and resources are produced with support from BMO's marketing team and Puddle Creative. Until next time, thanks for listening, and have a great week. For BMO disclosures, please visit bmocm.com
1: slash podcast slash disclaimer.